What's with all this repainting? What are you doing this for? I'm getting ready for Jesus. You're what? I'm getting ready for Jesus, Josie. Apparently, you have never heard of John the Baptist. Of course I have. John the Baptist was the prophet that told everybody Jesus was coming. Yes, and he also told the people they had to do something in order to get ready for Jesus. Yeah, what's that? He told them they had to first repaint. So I'm repainting everything because I'm going to get ready for Jesus. Repaint in the name of the Lord. Repaint? <laughs> Kelly May, John the Baptist didn't tell everybody to repaint. The word is repent. In order to get ready for Jesus, we have to repent. Huh? <laughs> repent? What does that mean? Well, it has nothing to do with a paintbrush. <laughs> <laughs> what? You mean I've been doing all this work for nothing? Well, it was nice of you to help everybody. And the new puppet stage looks really awesome. Yeah, sure does. But yes, I'm afraid that Jesus doesn't need you to repaint anything in order to get ready for him. Well, what am I supposed to do then? What's repent me? It's when you're so sorry for doing something bad that you stop it right away. Because you know it makes Jesus sad. You mean like the time I cheated on a test and I felt so bad that I asked Jesus to forgive me and I never cheated again. Is that what it means to repent? Yes, repent means to turn your back on something you are doing that isn't pleasing God. Matthew 4.17 says, Jesus began to preach and said, Repent! For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In Acts 2, Peter says, Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus. And in Acts 17, God commands that people everywhere should repent. Tally Mae, what are you doing? What? You said that repent means to turn your back on something. So, instead of repenting, I'm repenting. Oh, brother. <laughs> well, at least now you're on the right track. 
So why did John the Baptist tell everybody to repent in order to get ready for Jesus? Because Jesus loves us, and when we do bad things, it separates him from us. That makes him really sad. He wants to be with us all the time. Repent in the name of the Lord. (laughs) I'm just kidding, Josie. I want to be like John the Baptist and help all my friends repent so they can get ready to meet Jesus too. How do I do that? Well, first, you always pray for them. And next, tell them that when you turned your back on doing bad things... You mean like... Repent? Exactly. (laughs) And when you have repented, tell them that's when Jesus becomes your very best friend. Cool. Well, it looks like I won't be needing that paintbrush anymore. Well, I have to go call Mo and Joe. They were coming over this afternoon to help me repaint Pastor Ron's office. Instead, I'm going to be like John the Baptist and tell them to repent. Oh, brother. Sounds good, Kelly. Hey, hey, before you go, do you want to come over for lunch? Do you want to come, Eddie? Sure. Yeah, what are you having? Well, I thought since you want to be like John the Baptist, I'd make you something special. Something that he ate all the time because he lived in the desert, you know? Yeah, what's that, beef jerky? Oh, brother. No, not quite. How about a honey and grasshopper sandwich? Oh, are you kidding? That is gross, Josie. He didn't really eat that, did he? He sure did. Oh. But I'll tell you that more about that next time. Okay. Okay, like I said, I have to get going and call the others to come over and repaint. I mean, repent. Repent. So before I go, I would like to have everyone practice the word repent. Okay. Yeah, sounds like a good idea. All right. Is everybody... Here, let me explain what we're going to do here. Okay, now everybody stand up, face the door... And when I say three, jump up, turn around, and yell, repent. That's all y'all. All All y'all got to stand up now. Come on. Come on. Stand up. Come on. Stand up. Face the door. Let me know when you're ready. Y'all ready? Ready. Ready. One, two, three. Repent. Repent. Yeah. Good job. We're going to eat some grasshopper sandwiches. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> you can learn a lot with puppets, can't you? Good job, guys. Our children may be dismissed to Children's Church at this time. Give them a hand as they leave, would you? We're glad of, we're glad our kids are here. That's neat. Amen. What a special day. Palm Sunday. I would like to mention that uh, this evening, this evening we will be having movie night and uh, popcorn is provided and maybe some drinks and so forth. Uh, If you want any chocolate, you can bring that. I don't think we're selling or giving that away. 
but you get the idea. But tonight we're going to be viewing a film called Risen. It's about the resurrection. Kind of goes along with the season that we're in for sure. Last, last time we had movie night, it was great. Had a tremendous crowd. And so we invite you to come out with us tonight. Bring some friends and neighbors. Uh, hey, you can see a free movie. That's a good deal. So bring them out and let's enjoy this together. I do want to mention as I, I get ready to begin here today that this past week uh, on Monday and Tuesday evening, uh, five men from the church came out and did some work around here for which I'm very, very thankful. Uh, built a scaffold up here on the stage and did some work up above the, the lights there and changed some bulbs and the projectors and different things and some work outside and put new light bulbs in that will burn out. And so um, let's see, I don't want to miss anybody, but um, Tim, stand up with Tim if you would. And Mo and Joe are in the back and Kevin is working and Brian. Stand up, Brian, if you would. If we would give these guys a hand for me. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Um, I told them that um, seven or eight years ago when we put this cross up for the first time, um, first two or three years, I carried that thing in by myself, and that thing was heavy. And this time, I didn't have to carry it in at all. They did it for me. And so I really appreciate the help that they gave and the things that they did this past week. It's a tremendous blessing. Today we're going to be talking about the primacy of the cross. And we will be um, changing the tone of the service quite a bit. The cross is a sacred thing, is it not? And so uh, this morning we're going to give attention to that. We're kind of putting on hold the series that's taking us through the Bible. Um, the, I, I just have a couple of things that have been laid on my heart, one for this Sunday and one for next Sunday, Easter, uh, that I wanted to share. So we just kind of froze everything where it was with that series. And we'll come back to that after Easter. As we began this, um, sermon today, I wonder if I could get you to, um, sing with me these very familiar words. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. It's a great song, isn't it? We have sung it. Probably in our lifetimes, maybe hundreds of times, that we've sung that song. Most of us know it well. We don't need it on the screen. I wanted it there just for reference this morning for us. Because the bottom line was we were all once wretches. We were unsaved. We were lost. All of us were lost at one time. Amen? 
And I hope you can sing today and sing truthfully, but now I'm found. All of us at one time were spiritually blind, but I hope all of us can say today that now we can see. I hope the veil has been removed, the blinders are gone. We understood our lost condition and then turned to Christ. Because the fact of the matter is that all people are lost people until they are reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. Next slide, please. All people are lost people until they are reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. Now that is a fact, isn't it? I'm going to read it one more time. I take a close look at that. Not, not just some people. All people are lost people until they are reconciled to God through Jesus Christ. Jesus stated this very plainly. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, those are the words of Jesus, John 14, verse 6. I want you to hear that again. That is a, that is a very plain statement. That is a very controversial statement in our world today. It shouldn't be, but it is. Because there are people who tell you there are many ways, many doors, many religions, many paths to God. And Jesus made it claim there's not many. There's one door. I am the door, he said. So again, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And here's what I want you to hear. This is the word of the Lord. It says, much the word of the Lord is John 3, 16. If you can't believe this verse, how can you believe any other verse? Amen? And the verse says, no one comes to the Father except through me. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. If you think I'm trying to drill that home, you're right. Because there are so many people that tell us it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you believe. It doesn't matter where you go to church, what religion you subscribe to. It, none of that matters. If you just commit yourself to some good cause, you're going to be okay in the end. I want to tell you something. That is a lie from the pit. It's a lie from Satan. It is a deceptive tactic and strategy on his part to try to keep people from coming to Christ and being saved. Again, Jesus said, no one comes to the Father except through me, period. And he also said in John 10, I am the door. You have to come through me, Jesus says. In 1 Corinthians 2 verse 2, which is our text scripture for today, the Apostle Paul wrote in this epistle to the Corinthians and he was writing to people that he had visited many years before. He had been there with them. He had preached the gospel. These people had been evangelized. They had come to Christ through his ministry. Now years later, he's writing to them and he's referencing his time spent with them years ago. And this is what he says. For I determined... Not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I want you to think about that statement. Let it soak in. I determined when I came to see you, when I came to visit you, I determined, 
Think about that word, determined. I got a made up mind. I have a goal. I have an assignment. There's something I need to accomplish. I am determined. My mind is made up. I am determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I don't have time for other things. I don't have any interest in other ideas. I'm not interested in any other strategy. My assignment, my appointment, my calling from God is upon my life. And I know what it is. And Paul says, I determined to know nothing, not know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. His mind was made up. He was intentional. He had a plan, a strategy. He was on his way to evangelize. And I'll submit to you, he did a pretty fair job of it too, didn't he? Since he won more souls, established more churches probably, and had greater influence than anybody who's ever lived other than Jesus Christ our Lord. He wrote three-fifths, two-thirds, whatever fraction you want to use, I've heard used, of the New Testament. He was a powerful and effective minister. And that was his mantra. I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified That's what we're going to talk about this morning, and I submit to you it's important. I submit that it's very important. Because all roads do not lead to heaven. All religion does not point you in the right direction. We are not all headed for the same place on this planet, are we? No, not at all. Within the last 10 days, a very respected man has died. His name was Stephen Hawking. He was recognized as being one of the brightest minds on the planet. A genius, they said. Well, I'm going to have to take issue with that. I saw in a video where he said that those of us who believe in heaven... Are believing in a fairyland. That's not too smart. You see, we're we're in a we're in a group here. We're in a safe place today. We're in a group here of Bible believers. Can I get an amen? This this trumps anything else. He may have been a fairly bright individual, but this book tell me tells me there's a heaven, and there's a hell, and there's a God. As I've shared with you recently, I've had several people that I have heard refer to Jesus or to to God as the sky fairy. People who don't believe in God. One of these days there's going to be a, an eye-opening experience for them. When as the scripture says, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So what Paul had to say... I was determined to know nothing among you but Jesus Christ and Him crucified. That is an extremely important thing. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 verses 9 through 12, and, and here is the, the root of the problem to be honest with you. The Bible speaks about the working of Satan. How many of you know Satan's at work? The working of Satan. With all unrighteous deception among those who perish. Because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. 
And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. And that's why Paul wrote to the Corinthians in chapter 2, verse 2, again, For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ, next slide please, and Him crucified. It's a very important statement. It's a very important thought. It's a very important thing to consider. And Paul says, I wanted to make sure that was my focus and became your focus when I came to visit with you and to stay. Now that we know something about his intent, I'd like for us to go to the statement itself, Jesus Christ and him crucified. In fact, the next slide shows those very words, Jesus Christ and him crucified. Extremely important words. I'm going to shrink that even further this morning before we begin in earnest to the words, Jesus Christ crucified. First of all, I want to say just something about the word Christ. It's highlighted on the screen there. The word Christ is not the last name of Jesus. It's like I'm Ron Brisson and there's Eddie Mills and there's Ron Bomar. It's not with us as first name and last name. So some people think that Jesus Christ, Jesus was his first name, Christ was his last name, and that's not correct. Christ is a title. It has to do, the Christ is the anointed one. Some scriptures in the Bible say Jesus the Christ. It's a title. He's the anointed one, the chosen one, the one that God has appointed and anointed to come. And to minister to mankind and accomplish something extremely important. So Christ is not his name. Christ is his title. Jesus, the next slide shows highlighted. Jesus is his name. It's a name that he was, he was given. Remember when the angel came to Mary and Joseph at, at varying points and said, you're going to have a child and thou shalt call his name Jesus. It was an assigned name from God. Now, there were a lot of people who were named Jesus. It was a very common name. And I think probably that was by choice because he came to save common man and identify with us, right? So when he came, he didn't have a special name. He had a common name just like anybody else. I read just this week where archaeologists have unearthed the tombs of over 70 people whose name were, was Jesus. Now, it's not that they were copying his name. No, it's that his name was a common name and in use rather abundantly during the time in which he lived. It was the name that was assigned to him, just like the angel came to um, Zechariah and Elizabeth and said, Now, now you're going to call your son John, whom they were talking about just a few moments ago. Well, the angel came to Mary and Joseph and said, you're going to call your son that you're going to give birth to, whom man had nothing to do with, but you were, you're going to have the Holy Spirit come upon you, the scripture says, and you're going to conceive and then bear a son, and his name shall be called Jesus. So Jesus is his name. So even though he had a common name, however, he was not really a common man, was he? Oh, no, he was a very special man uh, sent by God. 
a man like no other, a sinless man. A man you couldn't put you couldn't put a finger on his life legitimately because he was sinless and perfect and without guile. He did no evil. He was the perfect son of God. Jesus Christ. He was human. He he cried when he was a baby. Some people have never considered this before, but his diaper had to be changed when he was a baby. He, he was human in the same sense that we were all human. Uh, just like our children when, when they were growing up, he was the same way. In all points, tempted like as we are, yet without sin. He was, he was fully human and experienced the same things we experience. He was Jesus. But he was also Christ, the anointed one, the appointed one who had a special purpose. He was prophesied in the scripture on many different occasions. We'll talk about that just a little bit later. He is Jesus Christ. Now, you've heard this before. This is nothing new. But what I'd like for us to do today is to consider the the importance of that. Because Paul's statement was, when I came to you, I determined... To not talk about any other thing, to not know any other thing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. This is a big deal. Jesus Christ crucified. Jesus Christ crucified is the only way of salvation. And the cross has to be something more than what you wear on a chain. Amen? I guess really the motivation for this sermon today is to get us to consider who it is who saved us. To consider who it is whom we should worship. To consider who it is to whom we owe everything. Jesus Christ who was crucified for us. The cross has become a symbol in our, in our, in our society, in our culture that is almost meaningless, is it not? It doesn't mean, doesn't matter if you're a churchgoer or not. It doesn't mean, uh, matter if you're a Christian or not. It doesn't matter if you're a churchgoer or not. It doesn't really matter what, what you believe. Just about everybody finds it fashionable to wear a cross. Amen? I'm not here to judge anybody today, but I have seen pictures of, um, Rock stars and people whose message and antics and lifestyle are totally contrary in just about every way to what this book teaches. Amen. And they got the cross hanging around their neck. It's, it's a popular thing to put the cross on. But it does not make you a Christian because you wear a cross. It does not make you a believer because you wear a cross. It does not make you right with God because you wear a cross. Amen? means none of those things. So what we're trying to understand today and to grasp is the seriousness and the reality 
of who this is, Jesus Christ, and the fact that he was crucified for our sins and that it is a big deal. It's not something to take lightly. It's not something to just flaunt around in a, in an irreverent and, and, and disrespectful way and make a mockery of it when you're not even a believer and doing a whole list of things that are contrary to the word of God and then wear a cross. Like it's so common in the world today. This week begins what is known as Holy Week. Next Sunday is Easter. This week is known as Holy Week. It's called by some Passion Week. You'll remember the movie, The Passion of the Christ. The word passion originally meant suffering. And the movie, The Passion of the Christ, is about suffering. We know that. How many have seen The Passion of the Christ? It's a... It's a powerful film. Powerful film. And it depicts the suffering of our Lord. But the word passion has um, transitioned somewhat into our vocabulary today. Is not so much about suffering as something that is heartfelt. You're passionate about something. There's some people who are passionate about the Tar Heels. Amen? And some are passionate about the wolf pack. And some are passionate about the blue devils. I never could understand. Oh, good grief. I don't even say that. I never could understand why the two universities in North Carolina that are religious, started out as religious colleges, are the devils and the demons. Makes no sense to me. Wake Forest and Duke. The devils and the demons. But be that as it may... I want to suggest to you today, based on the authority of God's Word, that when we understand who Jesus really is and what He's done, when you have a relationship with Jesus Christ that is genuine, there will be some passion there about it. You cannot take it as a light thing that He died for you so that you could be saved and have eternal life and just casually treat it as nothing. Amen? So there, there needs to be some, not only some passion in this week between now and next Sunday, but there needs to be some passion in our lives as Christians. Because the price that was paid for us on a cross, very similar to this one, requires us to be appreciative and thankful and moved by what was done for us so that we could be saved, healed, and forgiven. There should be some passion. We should care. It's not a light thing. We don't go to church if it's convenient. We go to church because it's right. Because we love God. Because we are part of the body of Christ. And He has done so much for us. And every day of our lives, Monday through Sunday, every day, not just Sunday, every day there should be passion in our lives about the Lord Jesus Christ and what He's done for us. And the price He paid for us. There should be passion. As was wonderfully told this morning by the puppets. Thank you, Tim. In order to become a Christian, you have to repent. What does repent mean? Well, there's two elements to that. One means confess. You have to confess. 
If you, as is said, God forbid, are told someday that you have cancer. You have to be honest enough to admit that that you have cancer before you seek treatment. Amen? If you deny that you're sick, you won't seek a cure. Is that true? So the first step is being honest enough to admit that you've got a problem before you begin to seek a solution. It happens in all kinds of illnesses with our bodies. If we're in denial, we say, no, 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 that's not me. Uh Uh-uh, that's, uh uh-uh. Then we don't seek help. But when we're honest enough to admit we have a problem, then we get willing sometimes, hopefully, to seek a solution for that problem. Well, this is what, what repenting is all about. Repenting is understanding that you're a sinner. It's understanding I'm not right with God. It's understanding that I have no passion about spiritual things. I really don't care. Now, I don't want to go to hell, so I want to pray a prayer so I won't be lost. But I really don't love Jesus. Does that make sense? I think that could be said about a lot of people. They may be wearing the cross. They may be wearing the badge. Not literally, but physically, but, but just imaginarily here. They might be wearing the badge that says Christian. They might have the sign hung around their neck that says Christian, but, but, but there's no love for God really. And there's no passion for the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did. They're just, yeah, I'm saved. I've told you about the, the lady that told me one day she and her, her brother got in a fist fight over the, their daddy who was dying with cancer and screaming in pain. And the, the brother was on one side and the sister was, they were very estranged. They hadn't been together for years. And as their daddy's dying, they both come back together and they get in an argument. And then they start swinging fists at each other across the bed where their daddy's dying. Then I took this woman to lunch in the hospital. And I said, I just wanted to talk to her and I, I wanted to talk to her about her soul. And, and I asked her, have you ever been saved? Yeah, I've been saved. I'm a, I'm a Christian. Yeah. I was baptized when I was 12. I didn't say it exactly this way, but I want to say, so what? You can be baptized and go down a, a wet center or a dry center, and when you come up, be a wet center. Baptizing you doesn't save you. Only Jesus can save you. Amen? And so what I'm trying to get us to understand today is that that this whole thing that we're celebrating on Palm Sunday and then Easter about a man who loved us so much that although he was innocent and had never done one single thing wrong, the Bible says he took upon himself the sins of us all. Had never sinned. But he took the most wicked and vilest sinner that you can think about and died for that sinner. So that if they be willing to trust him and appreciate what he's done, they could be forgiven. Do you believe that? See, sometimes we think some people have gone too far, been too mean, too wicked. I want to tell you, if you're willing to turn around and come back to Jesus, he'll save you. That's just the way he is. Think about, do you know the, the people who, who um, became the early church? The ones who were, many of them, 
were the ones who were saying, crucify him, crucify him. And then when Peter preached the sermon, he said, you killed him. He pointed the finger and said, you killed the, the man. But then he gave an invitation and the spirit touched their heart. And many of those same people who were guilty of putting him on that cross turned to Christ and received salvation. That's what kind of God he is. As they were driving nails in his hands and his feet, what was he saying? Somebody tell me. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That's what kind of man he was. And he loved us so much. He came to this earth for that very purpose. To give his life a ransom for many. To die for my sins and for yours. And how can we treat that casually? How can it be a small thing to us? How can we not be passionate about that? From Genesis chapter 1, literally... From Genesis chapter 1 to the book of Revelation chapter 22. You can see signs and promises of the coming of Jesus Christ. It's the unfolding revelation of Jesus that you read about in the scripture. Every sacrifice in the tabernacle and in the temple was pointing to Jesus. In the Bible, there are scores and scores of prophecies about the Messiah coming. There is detailed description of his passion. Amen? Of his suffering on the cross. They will pierce my hands and feet, the scripture says. They plucked out his beard, the scripture says. And on and on and on, this description goes hundreds of years before he was ever crucified to tell us what it was going to look like. Specifics concerning his birth are given in the scripture. He's going to be born of a virgin. Well, that's pretty pretty specific right there, isn't it? And he even names the little town, just like Lizard Lick, North Carolina. Bethlehem. Though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall he come forth to be ruler of Israel, the Bible says. The Bible is filled with this man, Jesus Christ. There are promises concerning his kingdom that he's going to set up. There are visions about the last days and his ultimate triumph as he comes back to this earth. I still believe that, by the way. There are descriptions of his first coming in the Bible. We read about the fulfillment of it in the New Testament. And there are also predictions about his second coming. When he came the first time, he came like a lamb. As a matter of fact, John the Baptist, first time he saw him coming, after Jesus was anointed and appointed and and began his ministry, John the Baptist looked at him and said what? Behold the Lamb of God. And then the very next day, he saw him coming again, and he said again, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. When he came the first time, he came to be the Lamb of God. The Bible says he was the Lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. In the eyes of God, in Genesis chapter 1, in Genesis chapter 3, we read the first direct prophecy of Jesus in the Bible. That's really early, Genesis chapter 3. And in the mind of God, Jesus was already destined and appointed to do this great work the time came jesus came to this earth and it's recorded in the scripture 
in the book of Hebrews. Lo, I come in the volume of the book it is written to do thy will, O God, to die on a cross for the sin of mankind. And sometimes we take it so carelessly and lightly. When he comes back the second time, however, he's going to come back like a lion. He's going to conquer his enemies. He's going to overcome the nations that have gathered themselves against the Lord and against his Christ. Listen, to tell you the story of Jesus would take years to tell. And you would never be able to catch up because he's still doing wonders today. So if we were going to talk about everything that he did, we'd never catch up because he keeps doing things. Does he not? Absolutely. His name was Jesus. His title is Christ, the anointed one. Yeshua HaMashiach. The first and the last, the beginning and the end, the Alpha and Omega, the Lamb of God who takes away all the sins of the world, the Lion of Judah who can't be defeated. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. He opened blinded eyes. He cast out demons. He calmed storms. He fed thousands. He told the truth, yet he was merciful. He was hated and despised and lied about. He was put on trial, spat upon, beaten, sentenced to death. Nails were driven through his hands and feet. A spear thrust into his side. A crown of thorns on his head. He could have called 10,000 angels, but he didn't. He could have walked away from this whole assignment, but he didn't. He could have said, no, I'm not going to do this, but he didn't. If the full truth is told, if we're accurate, really, they didn't kill him. He laid down his life, the Bible says. He was crucified. He did die. He did it for you and he did it for me. And that's the good news. That's the gospel. That's why Paul said... I was determined to know nothing among you but Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with Him when He rode into town. And the crowds gathered round him like a king The smiling faces Joined a sea of branches waving Though they were masquerading in the end And my heart rose in my throat When I heard
and I'll watch them Take him up the mountainside Where he was crucified, the innocent And they mocked him And cursed him with their mouths And they told him to come down if he was gone thing that matters. If you get this right and respond accordingly, nothing else matters. 
if you do everything else right and ignore this, you're still lost. I want you to think about that. If you do everything else right, you try to keep the law, obey the commandments, be a good boy or a good girl, but ignore this, you're still lost. Because Jesus said, no man comes to the Father except through me. If you know this and you understand this really, you're never going to forget it. Jesus doesn't want us ever to forget it. Because he gathered his disciples together in what we call the upper room. And he took what they had traditionally celebrated as the Passover meal, the bread and the wine. And they thought they were sitting down to eat the Passover, but Jesus redefined it for them. And when they began to drink from this cup, Jesus says, this is the blood of the New Testament, the New Covenant. This represents my blood that I'm shedding for you, Jesus said. And he took the bread and broke it and he, he shared it with them and, and let them know that that was part of what they were celebrating. Now, the New Covenant, not the Old the bread representing his body, which was broken and bruised for us. The juice representing his blood that was shed for us. They started out celebrating Passover. It transitioned into being what we now know as communion, Holy Communion, the Eucharist, or the Lord's Supper. And yes, we're about to observe it. Jesus said, as oft as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. And he also said that every time we do this, we show forth. We proclaim the Lord's death until he come. You may be surprised to know this, but there are lots of churches now. Who have taken every song out of the hymnal that has the word blood in it. That's tragic. That's sad. Because when you ignore this, if we can't get it right here, none of the rest of it is right. So today, lest we forget... Lest we lose our passion. Lest we take things for granted. We're reminded of the words. As oft as you do this, you do it to show the Lord's death until he comes. 
We never can get so spiritual or so knowledgeable or so mature that we outgrow our need for the cross. In a few moments, we're going to sing a hymn together, an invitational hymn. You know what an invitational hymn is, right? An invitational hymn is an invitation for you to come and pray and talk to the Lord about something that we've heard about from the Word of God. There's four verses to this hymn. After we sing the verse two, verse one and two, I'm going to ask you to begin to respond. Sometimes we, we try to disguise this and make it as palatable as we can and to where it won't make anybody uncomfortable and where hopefully somebody will respond. But I'll tell you what the Lord has laid on my heart to do today. We're going to receive communion in just a few minutes. And when we do, I'm going to ask first... If anybody here doesn't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, while we sing this song, I'd like for you to come if you'd like to be saved. I would love to pray with you. I would love to to chat with you just a bit, lead you to the Lord, allow you to, to experience becoming a new creature in Christ Jesus. And I'd like to see, oh, wouldn't it be great if we had a half a dozen people? come to Christ today and we give them communion before anybody else gets served. Wouldn't that be awesome? Now, if you're here today and you have never made a commitment to Christ, you've never asked Him to be your Lord and Savior. You Maybe you've never admitted that you were a sinner and you were on your way to hell and you needed some help. And if you want to do that today, while we sing, I'm going to ask you to come And just stand right at the edge of this blue carpet. I've never done this before in my entire life. I may never do it again. But I believe the Holy Spirit has has led me to do this today in this way. You say, I don't know how to pray, Pastor. You come and I'll help you. We'll pray together. And the Bible says, if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's God's word. You can carry that to the bank. That is to say, if you will ask him, he will do it. Amen. There's no reason to walk out of this building today on this Palm Sunday, uh, Palm Sunday in the year 2018 and not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You can do it right here, right now. When people respond today and they come to this altar for prayer, what I'm going to ask you to do is pray with them. Come if you'd like to stand with them while we pray. But by all means, if you don't come and stand with them as they pray and as we pray with them, at least from your seat be in prayer. This is extremely important for somebody today or the Spirit of the Lord wouldn't have laid this on my heart. Somebody here today needs Jesus Christ. Please.
please respond to him today. I'd love to serve you communion right after you experience being born again. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stand. We're going to sing this hymn together. Near the cross. Let's listen to the words. Sing the words. It's a prayer. And please come. Please come. If you need Jesus today. Jesus,
hearts today invite Jesus to come into their life. Can we give the Lord a hand for that? Wonderful. 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 Thank you, Jesus. There's no reason to there's no reason to leave with doubt, is there? We need to know. And these three know that Christ has heard their prayer. We're thankful for that today. Amen. But the Bible says the angels rejoice when things like this happen. Amen. Amen. Near the cross. What a, what a symbol behind us of what the Lord has done for us. While they continue to play and sing, um, would you reverently just uh, form a line and come and take the cup and the bread and return to your seat? In a moment, we'll all observe this together. So if you would make your way. Don't eat the bread or the cup. Drink the cup until we all do that together, please. Like to meet 
here today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that three seniors have prayed that prayer. Lord, to to make sure that everything was right with you. Oh, Lord, what courage, what an example they have been for the rest of us today. And I want to thank you that that I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that our prayers have been heard by you. Your word teaches us if we'll confess our sins that you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And they have done that today. And you have heard their cries. And I want to thank you for it. I give you glory today. What an awesome God you are. And now, Lord, we, all of us, we admit, we confess, Lord, that we are in dire need of your forgiveness. The cross of Jesus Christ and the price that was paid for us. You tell us not to forget it. And today we're doing our very best, Lord, to remember, to contemplate. To slow down enough to realize what the cross really means in our lives. 
I pray, Lord, that you would help us to be more passionate about you than we've ever been before. Help us, Lord, to be excited knowing you. Knowing that we have the full assurance that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life and we're on our way to heaven. So in a word, Lord, we thank you today. We praise you. And as we hold in our hands, Lord, this bread, symbolic of the body of Jesus that was broken for us. As you said to the disciples, take and eat. Lord, we obey that same admonition today. Let's eat the bread together. And then, Lord, you took the cup and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Take and drink. Let's do that together as well. We thank you. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow. That makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Brother Ron Bomar, if you would come and dismiss this service today. Thank you for being here on this Palm Sunday. Remember the film tonight. You're welcome to join us. And next Sunday morning, a tremendous celebration of the resurrection. Please don't forget that. If you would bow your heads, please. And now may the God of the universe, the one who cares for you and gave himself for you, the one who has been in the midst of our presence today. Oh, my Lord and my God, how we love you and thank you for what you have done. So, Father, as we would leave this place today, I ask you to go with us into our, our homes and our places of work, our places of play, our places of business, that you would go with us and to use us And to help us truly be passionate about you as we arrive at those places that other people might be able to see the joy, the true joy that we have by knowing that you are our Savior. So, Father, as we leave this place today, we say thank you and hosannas to the risen King. In Jesus' name I ask and pray. Amen. There is a receptacle at each door back here for you to drop your cup as you leave today. Thank you so much.